0: Very good morning to you. It's great to see you this morning. Lovely to see all your lovely faces. Some I know and some I don't know. I am Kate Woodward, married to. How shall I describe you this morning, Don? Married to the the pardon the wonderful Neil. He is wonderful. Before I go any further, I just want to pray. Together. Myself, Lord. What can we say? What can we do to receive more of you? Let your kingdom come right now. And Lord, we commit all our loved ones to you that are on our hearts this morning, perhaps in different parts of the world, in war zones, in places that are not easily... reveal yourself in the darkness to those who need your love and your warmth and your unending love. We welcome your presence in this place. We welcome you again in ourselves at this Lent period. Walk with us. Speak to us. Dwell among us. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to Luke 15, verses 11 to 31. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, we were looking at the first few verses of Luke 15, where Jesus, surrounded by both tax collectors and sinners, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, tells them a series of parables. And last time we looked at the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. And this morning we are going to look at the third and possibly the most famous parable, the parable of the lost son. And just by a way of reminder, here is Jesus surrounded by these two groups, The tax collectors and sinners who rejoiced in the remarkable hope found in these simple stories of a God who sees them, of a God who knows them, and a God who loves them and goes looking for them in spite of whatever it may be that they've done. Meanwhile, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered to one another, that this Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them. There were hard-hitting words in these parables for those who had ears to hear them, that in spite of their perceived righteousness, perhaps they too were lost, as the one sheep who wandered off and the coin that had gone astray. And then Jesus reaches the climax of his storytelling by telling them the third and perhaps the most significant parable, the parable of the lost son. Have a look with me at Luke 15, starting in verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons, The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, "'Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. "'I am no longer worthy to be called your son.' "'But the father said to his servants, "'Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. "'Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet.' Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine, who I thought was dead, is alive again. He was lost and is now found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property, with prostitutes come home, you kill the fatted calf for him. Like the parable of the Good Samaritan, this is one of the most famous stories ever told. And our story begins with a request that all of Jesus' listeners would have considered unthinkable. No one would have asked for their inheritance while their father was alive. It would be saying something like, I wish you were dead. I can't wait for you to die. So give me what's coming now. Everyone listening to Jesus would have been appalled by his son's demands. And they would have expected this time, this time to be, they expected the next line to be, so the father disinherited his son and drove him away from his home. However, Jesus is full of surprises. And throughout this parable, the surprises all come from the responses of the Father. The first, the first surprise is that the Father's generosity. The Father doesn't even rebuke his son for his unthinkable request. Rather, he agrees to it. And in fact, he gives both of his sons their inheritance. The younger son leaves the village immediately and journeys to another country where he won't be recognised. Then he goes through his inheritance quickly, spending all his money on wild living. And then during a severe famine in the land, he becomes destitute and ends up being so hungry and he takes a job looking after pigs. He gets so hungry that he, can't, he, that he even tries to eat the pig's food. His wealth has gone. His dignity has gone. He has lost everything. And so finally he comes to his senses and he decides to return to his father and throw himself on his mercy. He knows he has sinned both against his father and against God. The second surprise of the story comes now, and and it's in the attitude and the behavior of the father. The father was clearly, has been longing for his son's return and has constantly been looking out for him, hoping against the one day, hoping for the one day that he might come home And then in one of the most poignant and touching verses in scripture, verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him the father sees his son while he's still a long ways away off and runs out to meet him. He runs to his son to be the first to meet him. And this would have meant picking up his full length robes and try and tying them around his waist and so that he was able to even run. But men of his age didn't show their legs and they did not run. The father is publicly humiliating himself for his son's sake. He cares nothing for the opinion of his neighbours, nor for the scandal of his, nor for the scandal of his actions. And then we hear the third surprise in this remarkable story. A public rebuke was is what was meant. A public rebuke is what might be expected, but instead the father hugs his son and kisses him before everyone. The son tries to go get out the words of repentance he had prepared, including his request to be treated as a servant, but his father doesn't even let him speak. There are no harsh words, no criticism, no demand of apologies. Instead, the father tells the servants who are listening and watching like everyone else to fetch his best robe, to bring a signet ring with a family seal, to find sandals to protect his son's sore feet and to kill the fatted calf to prepare for a feast of celebration. And the feast is a huge affair It would have taken more than a hundred people to eat the fatted calf. So the whole village must have been invited to celebrate the return of the prodigal son with the family. After his original unthinkable request, the son should have been regarded as dead by the family and indeed the community. He should have been cut off, disinherited, Disowned, But no, he is alive again. He was lost, but now he is found. Meanwhile, at the height of the celebration, the elder son returns from the fields and asks one of the servants, what's going on? The servant explains what has happened. Your brother has come home. Your father has him back safe and sound. The implication being you should come in. You should come in and join with your father's joy. But the eldest son refuses to go in. And instead the servant has to go and report his words and anger to his father in front of everyone. You can imagine the music stopping and everyone going silent and the room filling, filling. The room, the room falling still. And this is where you hear Jesus' fourth surprise. Everyone listening would have expected a sharp rebuke from the father to the elder son. He was publicly dishonoring his father by refusing to come into the party. But there is no rebuke. Instead, the father pleads with his son and begs him to come in. For those listening to Jesus telling this story, the idea of a father pleading in such a way would have been considered utterly humiliating. But the eldest son's next response is even more shocking. In front of everyone, he shames his family by accusing his brother of spending his father's property on on prostitutes. He won't speak of his brother as mine, but instead refers to him as yours. The elder brother claims to have not been loved by the father, but treated as a servant. I have nothing of my own. You never threw a party for me and for my friends. I have slaved for you all my life. He was so full of pride, so full of self-centered thoughts about his life, and above all, so self-righteous. He didn't see his father as a loving father who had been giving to him graciously all his life. He just saw his father as a demanding slave driver who hadn't even given him the rewards that he felt were his rightful due. What's interesting is, not only are the things the elder brother says self-righteous and accusatory, They are just tragically wrong. His father had already given him his full inheritance. He was no slave drover who had treated his hard-working son poorly. He was the most kind-hearted, loving and generous father imaginable. But there is yet another surprise. The father still doesn't become angry or rebuke the elder son. Instead, he affirms his love for him. You are always with me and all that is mine is yours. He reminds him that it is your brother and urges him that celebration is the only right response to his return verse 32 we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and there the parable ends but it really doesn't have an ending Yes, the younger son is safely home, but the elder son still hasn't joined the feast. And so both we and indeed Jesus' listeners are left with the nagging question, will the elder brother come in and join the celebration? The story of the prodigal son is simply an unforgettable story. One of the greatest stories ever told. It captures our imagination and haunts our memory. At the moral level, the parable teaches us about the ingratitude, the self centeredness, and destructive folly of sin. It shows us plain common sense in the face of personal ruin as well as the necessity of humble repentance. It also teaches us about how we are to relate to one another. What is our reaction when someone is stuck in habitual sin? Do we point an accusing finger? Do we gossip or even turn away, cutting them off from relationship with us? Or are we merciful, prayerful, longing and hoping for repentance. And then gladly welcoming any sign of change of heart, ready to do anything we can to help a lost brother or sister back into the family and back into community. But this parable also teaches us so much about the kingdom of God, a kingdom of love and of mercy, of forgiveness and of forbearance, a kingdom that goes out to find and welcomes the lost, a kingdom that brings them back without any rebuke, without any recrimination, just extravagant rejoicing for any Who are found. Those who are truly of the kingdom of God are shown to be those who will count any cost, go to any length, will even endure humiliation and shame to bring about restoration of those who have wandered into difficulty and trouble. But like the other two shorter parables, this one is also about Jesus. Jesus is the one who sets out to find each one of us, regardless of the shame or cost himself. He is the everlasting Father, who is always eagerly waiting, anxious for us to show the slightest sign of sorrow for our ingratitude, our rebellion, are wasting of his gifts he is the one he is the one who humbles himself for our sake who runs to meet us who pleads with us to be reconciled to himself and to one another he is the one who counts himself proud to know us no matter what anyone else thinks about us. He is the one who endures mistreatment and disregard from sinners, and yet it is himself full of mercy, kindness, and gentleness. He is the one who starts the party in heaven, who welcomes us, us to his banquet feast. So how, how do we receive this story, which is so familiar to us and yet so easily missed? Are we like the younger son using and abusing Christ's goodness and kindness without regard of his generosity? Or are we like the older son thinking that we deserve all the good gifts we have and yet all the while considering others as worthless and unreachable? Whoever we are, the chances are there is something of the younger son and the older son in us all. Jesus is waiting for us. Bleeding with us and running to meet us. Jesus is humiliated himself for us. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame for us. Just like the two sons in the parable, we need to need Jesus' love and forgiveness. And as we think, about living out loud and sharing our faith with others? Are we mindful of the grace and mercy and kindness each of us as younger sons and as younger daughters have received ourselves from God? Are we mindful of the grace and mercy and kindness, each one of us as older sons and as older daughters have received ourselves from God? Have we really and truly grasped deeply for ourselves the merciful nature of the truth? Are we still living like younger sons and younger daughters squandering our inheritance, living as we please? Are we living as like older sons and older daughters scorning others as we sit in judgment and condemnation of those around us, refusing to rejoice in God's mercy and grace? Or do our words and our lives reflect the character of the good shepherd who risks everything to find the one lost sheep or the woman who gives up all her time and energy to find that which is lost. Or the loving and patient father who runs towards those whose lives have completely fallen apart. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms, his loving arms around him and kissed him.